Anyway, this morning, uh, I, I want to carry on with the, the theme of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's a, a very powerful uh, part of our lives when you become a Christian. And uh, D.L. Moody uh, was preaching once, and he said, you might as well try to see without eyes, hear without ears, or breathe without lungs, as to try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit in your heart. To fully enjoy and outwork your Christian life, we need and we should want the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. And I'll just show you why. It's not a magic trick. You've probably seen this before. But it just gives us a, a picture of our lives. So here, this is not only Irimana, but this is us. <laughs> All right? And, and that is what our life looks like. It's just a picture of um, us and God in us, or us before God is in us. And it's just a murky water. And when somebody uh, speaks to us harshly or we're upset about something, we get bumped, let's say, in our life, and what spills out? Murky water. So our relatives or our friends or our acquaintances get that spillage in our life. And, and we might recognize it in ourselves. We might think, oh, it is a bit harsh with that person today or it was a bit short and I often hear one of the most common things I hear people say, I really got angry. I was so angry. I was so wild with those people, you know, for what they said. So anger is quite prevalent. There's other areas in, in life with addictions and different things. But we ask and we invite the Lord to come in and he comes into our life. And so you've seen all this before, I know. But, you know, when we actually start, you know, asking the Holy Spirit to just come into our life, you, you can see and you knew what was going to happen anyway, but that's okay. You can see that our life seems to be getting cleaned up. But there's only one way of doing that. And that's through allowing God and the Holy Spirit to come in our lives. It's sad that some people work at this their whole life themselves. They're trying to be a right person. They're trying to get right. And yet the more we allow the Holy Spirit into our life, the more our life changes. And this is what is a picture. There are people in this room that are like this. There were people in this room that were bluer, you might say. But there are people in this room right now that the influence of the Holy Spirit has come into their life and you would hardly even know their old self. You never see that old self anymore. It's gone. Who would like to be like this? Anybody? Only a few. I need to put that blue water back in there. Who would like to still be their old self? You don't, eh? You know, it says in, uh, if we go to slide number three, if you look at Matthew 11, it says, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now we can quickly think 
that God's going to give us a job. And we're going to do this job together, and he's going to help. But in a sense, we've got burdens all the time. But who's giving us those burdens? Where's the yoke coming from? If we just have the picture of a yoke, if people don't know what a yoke is, if the next slide, please. So there's just a picture of a yoke uh, where two oxen are yoked together. And if you'd like to just take that as a picture as yourself, you can choose which one. But let's just say the Lord's the other one. All right? Now, you're doing that job together. You're doing life together. Whatever it is, you're doing it together. And if we just keep that picture up for a little bit. You know, when I shift furniture now, now that I'm getting a little bit older, if we're moving a desk or moving a washing machine, I try to get the, the light end. I get the young fellas at the heavy end. You know, if you've got a set of drawers in that desk, they can have the drawer end. I want the light end. You know, I'm trying to get smarter about what I lift uh, these days because of the back, you know, protecting the back. But actually God takes the heavy end of whatever we're going through. He's holding the heavy end. We think it's sort of an equal share like this. Lord, why am I suffering under this? Why have you put these people with me? Why do I have to work with those people? Why am I suffering through this illness? Why, why, why? Thinking that we're, you're doing it alone, but you're yoked to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is carrying the heavy end. And no matter what burden you are carrying, no matter what sickness, and I don't want to diminish that, you can still do it in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can still focus on him. You can still focus on others. And that is the tricky bit. Because it's so easy to focus on ourselves. When we see this, when we actually see it and we get it, then life actually becomes simpler, easier, and we realize that we've been carrying yokes on our backs that we shouldn't have been for a long time. If he says, my burden is light and my yoke is easy, and you don't feel that way, then you need to check your back and see what else you're carrying and whose load you are carrying and who's put it there. You know, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by what? Faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now we know Paul suffered tremendously over the years with the beatings, the shipwrecks, the persecution, the stonings. How did he do it? He keeps telling us by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. But he says, I've been crucified. My flesh is gone. This is how I should look. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. In other words, if you are going to struggle, you're going to try and do it yourself, then Christ died for nothing. It's by grace and grace alone. Paul challenged the Galatians. And in Galatians 3, he said, I would like to learn just one thing from you. 
Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? In other words, did you earn it? Did you gain it by how well you lived, by how many jobs you did, how much money you gave to the church, or by believing what your heart, by believing your heart in the gospel of Jesus Christ? After beginning by means of the Spirit, you are now trying to finish by means of the flesh. In other words, you've accepted Christ, okay, but now you're still living your life as if you've got to earn it. You're still living your life as, you, as if you, Christ is not center in your life. So again, I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? Do we earn it? or because you believe what you have heard. So this morning when I was praying, you had a choice. You could say to yourself, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy to receive anything God has for me. I'm not good enough. So you disqualify yourself actually from receiving somebody, something, where somebody else might say, God, I need you more than anything else. I need that healing more than anything else. I need you more than anything else. doesn't matter what you did this week. doesn't matter what you did that month, but you come to him, knowing it's by faith in him who sets you free. And Paul is saying, come on, guys, now that you know Christ, why are you trying to do this on your own strength? Depend on the Holy Spirit's work. Last week, Pastor Tark spoke on the person, presence, and power of the Holy Spirit. He felt God saying post-COVID that the way forward for the church, and that's us as believers, was to be less trusting in human ability and effort, having a much greater dependence on the Holy Spirit. I think we'd all agree that's what we want, isn't it? And even Jesus told his disciples to pull aside, stop doing, and wait in prayer for the Holy Spirit, as we see in Acts 1. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded them. He told them, don't leave Jerusalem until you've received it. You're not going to be any good without it. One of Pastor Tuck's favorite verses, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Come on, church. This is a participation sport. You know, in his, in his book, Never Give Up, um, K.P. Johannan says, and I've, got, I've written it up here, I think. Uh, we got up there yet? Are we in slide eight? With the human soul's power and energy and a good mind, you can build something that looks to be totally right and perfect in the eyes of the onlooker. But in the end, it's filled with bitterness anger, jealousy, self-centeredness, and a lack of willingness to suffer and sacrifice. One is doing it on your own strength or doing it on the Lord's strength. It is said of the New Testament church that 95% of their activities would have stopped if the Holy Spirit had departed from their midst. 
So imagine that. 95% of the church would have stopped if the Holy Spirit had departed. And sadly, people now say too often 90% of today's church activities could still continue without the Holy Spirit. It's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Our worship. But it's not pointing the finger at anybody else. It's what we carry. It's what we bring. Could you worship like that this morning on your own? Or are you worshiping the Holy Spirit? Is this message of my own or is it of the Holy Spirit? It's a challenge. The book of Acts covers about 30 years. I don't know if you know, but the book of Acts, um, Luke was writing it in about, um, I think, 64 AD. And it covers a period of about 30 years from the time that uh, Jesus ascended into heaven until, um, you know, when it's talking about Paul reaches Rome, you know, and he ends up writing Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and I think Philemon while he's in Rome. I often wonder why it doesn't cover Paul's death. Uh, but it's written in 64 AD, and Paul uh, and Peter probably died about 66 AD, about two years later. So I've often wondered that. But it covers a 30-year period of the church. So it gives us an absolute excellent picture of what the church should look like, but it also gives us a picture of what we should look like. Because who's the church? You and me, Mark. No, all of us. Who's the church? Wave at me if you're born again. There's a few of you. So when we talk about the church, we're talking about us. We're talking about ourselves. We are the church of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned last week, the Holy Spirit is mentioned how many times in the book of Acts? Somebody was listening. Thanks, Ashley. You can lead worship again. And I suggested that you troll the book of Acts. Find out what the Holy Spirit is like. Go through it. Mark your, mark your margins. Where, or mark the Holy Spirit in there. Find out what he's like. But you'll find also what the church is like by doing that. And we see that the... the I'm going to put up a slide there to help you. But the early church was enduring persecution. Suffering for the sake of Christ. Embracing a life of prayer and fasting, performing miracles and wonders. And I've written in there, the church, not just the pastors. We've come to see the pastor perform miracles. No, you bring Christ. You bring the Holy Spirit with you. Just like I do. Engaging in sacrificial giving, like some of you probably did this morning. Continually caring for one another. Loving people more than their own lives. And strong focus on missions. And there's a lot more. It's just some of the aspects of the early church. I guarantee your life wasn't a bed of roses before you came to Christ. Amen? God saw what you were going through. God knew what you were going to go through. And he reached down and rescued you. Rescued you. I think of that story 
true story of the tanker. You might remember years ago in Manukau, a petrol tanker crashed and it was burning and it was crushed over a, a car and there was a young girl in that car and there was a fireman underneath that tanker. Absolutely helpless. She could not do anything for herself. She could not get out. And that tanker was burning. That's you. That's me. Couldn't do a thing for ourselves. Couldn't get into heaven. No bridge. No money. Could get us in there. Absolutely dependent on the rescuer. She was absolutely dependent on that fireman to get out. He risked his life. But somebody paid the price for your rescue and for my rescue. We were absolutely helpless without that rescue. We would have not got the, we would not go to heaven. We would not have our sins forgiven. We would not have fellowship with God unless he had reached down and took us and said, I want you. We're absolutely dependent on him. There was a parachutist who jumped out of a plane and a parachute didn't open. The instructor saw that. In a split second, he thought, I can have a go at saving her and didn't deploy his own parachute. And so he made himself, they're traveling about 120 kilometers an hour down. And he got to her and, was eight, and she was unconscious by this time because of the speed. He was able to release her parachute and then pull away. And they both landed. And they're both slightly injured, but she survived. Some of you were that close to hell. And the Lord saved you. You don't realize it. But he changed the course of your life. You know, the last major outpouring of the Holy Spirit in New Zealand was over 40 years ago. And churches were transformed. Even the Prime Minister turned up at uh, Queen Street. There were Jesus marches. The prayer meetings were packed. I mean, I'm thankful for the people who come to a prayer meeting. But I don't need more than two hands to count them. And yet I'd go to prayer meetings during that time and you'd have a hall this big and you'd have to step over people to find a place to pray. That changes a nation. 
And that's only one church. Christianity had a voice. There were many missionaries were sent out. And to a measure, there wasn't a decline in our laws. There weren't the laws being passed that there are now. And churches began to pop over, up all over the place. Schools, local halls, even funeral parlors were being used for churches because people needed somewhere to meet. And Christians embraced the move of the Holy Spirit. But in this partnership, there's a part for us, us to play. And it's actually, it's prayer. It's being obedient, but it's also prayer. And I must add fasting as well. If we look at Luke 22, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. Slide 11. Come on, guys. Slide 11. Thank you. Keep up. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. Oh, by the way, I'm, I sound a bit hard on those guys, but one time I remember I was doing all this on my own, and nothing was coming up there. So now I have a look to see that you're getting the slides. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He said, pray that you will not. Here, Jesus is going to be crucified, and they're in the garden. He's saying, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And then he said to Peter, slide 12, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that you, your faith may not fail. How many of us, as this devil said, can I sift John? I see you, John, there. Can I sift John? You know, can I sift Teresa? Can I sift Wayne or Ashley or Lincoln, if you know what I mean? Is the enemy actually up there saying, can I sift Paul? Am I going to be found wanting or is through prayer and a partnership with the Holy Spirit going to allow me to carry on? Prayer is how we express our feelings. Prayer is how we ask for things, how we praise and worship, how we work out this partnership between us and God. And God expects it of us. It keeps the relationship going. Now, some of you might envisage going into a room, kneeling down or kneeling against your bed and praying, and that is good, and that is vital. But praying is also right through the day, whether you're riding a tractor, whether you're driving the car, whether you're brushing your teeth, whatever, you're in the classroom, you've just got the exam paper in front of you, I'm sure you pray then. All right? God, I don't even know the answer to the first question. I used to get that all the time. I didn't pray enough, I can tell you, when I was at school. Prayer allows us to get involved in areas much bigger than ourselves. And that's the thing. Prayer allows us to, to have an influence in areas outside of our life. There's a quote, if we look at uh, slide 14. We don't want a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. I'm, I'm not thinking that church like everybody else out there. I'm thinking us here. 
How can we, as Church Unlimited, Kaitaia, move the world? The world is out there. This is, it was my heartache during the lockdown was that I realized that I could get in touch with everybody on our database. Everybody had a phone number or an email I could get in touch with, but the rest of the world I couldn't. And that's what we're called to do, is to reach the world. COVID-19 reminds us that Jesus warned us there would be difficult times and the next incident or drama could be a lot closer than we actually think. Just recently in New Zealand, we've had, this is just current, earthquakes, floods, which have taken out towns, terrorist crime, volcanic eruptions, and now this pandemic, all resulting in death. But you know, it says in 2 Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And it's the sound mind that allows us to plan ahead. How do we prepare? Good habits, spending time in prayer and the word, good activities for ourselves. If we knew this was coming along, what would you be preparing differently? What would you be doing differently than you did before? Many parents have said they enjoyed the time with their children, but many other parents said they were glad to get them back to school. So good activities, set up networks where we can communicate with our family and friends and the unchurched. Are you thinking that? If you got locked down again, how could you connect with the unchurched? How could we help the community during lockdown? Would we need to earn income? How would we keep fit? All these things we should be doing on a weekly basis anyway. And so when we step into these areas, we can still function as a church. Paul tells the Corinthians, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And Timothy, just it's a little snippet out of there, but just to put that in context, it's, you know, if I just read that, to you. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, close your ears kids, disobedient to their parents. This is the terrible times of the last days. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. I don't want to fall into that. Is anybody else? Amen. This is what we want, isn't it? 
Can we do that on our own? We can't. We can't do that on our own. We need Jesus Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. Slide number 17. Since, uh, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Waiting on him is hard. We just want to get on with it, make it happen. And there lies our problem. We end up depending on our own human effort. It's in us. There's a, there's a, I don't know about you, there are some people that just are so chilled that they don't do anything, but there's others that are driven, and I think I'm a bit like that. I just want to do something. Like, on Wednesday, I was going to get some pungalogs, for example. Just here's a, This is a non-sinful confession, right? <laughs> But I wanted to get some pun. It's Wednesday. I was going to go down. I had to go down the line, so I was going to pick them up on the way back on Wednesday. But I was preparing the sermon, and in my mind was saying, "How many pungalongs do you need?" Now I'm preparing a sermon. I'm trying to keep in contact with the Lord, and He's guiding me. And my flesh says, "How many pungalongs do you need?" And my flesh says, "I don't know." And it, so it says, "Why don't you go out there and measure how many you need?" Oh, that's a good idea. I had to resist that, you know, to actually go out and measure them during this week when I didn't even need to know until after this today. It's just that, you know, there's something in you that just wants you to do it now. It just wants to go and shop now. You know, when, the, when, that, when people are able to go to McDonald's for the first time, they were queuing up to be there. I was trying to talk Sally. Sally's got an Instagram account, but I was trying to talk her into that we would go there because we, uh, the day before at McDonald's in the car park when there's nobody else there, and we'd park our car at the front and we'd, uh, we're ready, you know, but we weren't serious. People might have taken that seriously and thought we were queuing up a day before to get to McDonald's, so we didn't actually end up doing that. But there were people that they've just got to do it now. They've got to have it now. They've got to do it now, and that's our fleshly man. And so we do church, we do stuff, but there's no power in it because we haven't waited on the Lord to hear what he's asking us or wanting to do through us. When we wait on him, he works with us. When we work without waiting, we're basically on our own. And we could possibly do a good job. But there'll be no fruit The key verse, if we're going to see great increase in the Holy Spirit, is found in Isaiah 40, which says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait on the Lord. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen? How do we get that? Waiting on our Lord, waiting upon our Lord. As you know, if you want your phone charged, or nowadays a power tool charged, or even your car. Anybody got a hybrid car here? Uh, I can see a finger pointing. But, all right, so we might have one hybrid in here. 
You have to connect to its power source. And you probably know where I'm going here as well. Do we charge our spirit man with the power source at least as often as our mobile, mobile phones? Who charges has to charge their phone once a day? I do. Anybody has to charge it more than once a day? Yeah, well, you need a new battery. <laughs> well, if we, if we spend time with the Lord as often as we charge our phones, we'd be doing pretty well. But does anybody get that annoying uh, prompt on Monday morning that tells us how much we've used it, how much we've used our phone? Anybody get that? Oh, man. I'm sure it fibs. I use far too much time. It tells me that I'm, I've used two hours or three hours per day. And I think, how do I do that? And then I realize I've had a couple of long phone calls. It's annoying. But imagine if we spent the same time with the Lord. How on earth did I find time to spend that on the phone? And then I said, okay. And then you'd say, there's no way I'd get anything done if I spend that much time with the Lord and on my phone. I'd get nothing done during the day. You know, when we stay connected, we hear his voice. We get wisdom. We get advice. And really, our Christian life depends on it. If we get this right early, young people, if we get this right early, we will make less mistakes. Amen? Who would have loved to have come to the Lord at an early age? Before you stepped in the mud. More joy, more peace, more breakthroughs in our friends, in our relationships, in our jobs, in our studies, in the way we spend money, even our time and giving. I'm so thankful that the Lord took me to the Wilson home. I'm so thankful as a young person, he put that deposit of visiting those kids in that Wilson home. It changed my life, as I've said before. If we can get to that place where we're not selfish the whole time in our life, young people, you're not selfish 100%, maybe just 80%, and then start working getting that down, your life will change forever. But God will help you with that. I'm not picking on you, but I know at an early age, God took me to that home and saw those kids that wouldn't live much long, or wouldn't live for long, but they loved having stories read. They loved being pushed around in their carts. They loved that contact and it changed my life what are you doing for the community what's anybody doing for the community pastor tark says treat our bibles the same way we treat our phones refer to them as many times a day well i haven't got to that stage but it's a good it's a good start you know prayer and fasting is coming up You've missed out on it, haven't you? You've actually missed it, haven't you, during lockdown? But Pastor Tark is back to his good old tricks. And we've got prayer and fasting next week. Let's just put up that slide. There's no rejoicing, is there? There's no getting up out of your seat and stomping and saying, Hallelujah. But we'll get there. Three days of prayer and fasting, and you can make your decision right now. Nope, I'm not doing it. No, 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 no. All right? 
But I'm going to encourage you. There's some worthwhile things there, getting all our people and more back on Sunday services. Do you want more people here with you? Do you think there should be more people in church? Anybody? Pray against racism and for peace, reconciliation in the U.S. and other nations. I know there's racism here in this, in this town, in this community, but we can pray against it. We can influence. We have authority over the enemy. And, of course, the Holy Spirit moved powerfully on Sundays. Imagine that while we're worshiping here, while you are worshiping here, while you're connecting with the Holy Spirit, that is touching people who are just walking past. I've read many stories of people just coming in under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's because you bring it. It's not because the pastor brings it. It's not because the worship team brings it. It's that everybody brings it. And it's so powerful, people are getting healed on the footpath as they go past. That's what we are praying for. That's what we're believing for. And we're making a difference. You are making a difference. And then salvation of family and friends. God doesn't want just you up in heaven on your own. He wants family. He said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. There are many rooms. That's for your family. That's for your friends. And so we fast and pray. It's going without food. I know some of you say medically you can't. Okay, I understand that. But it's going without, it's having the flesh know that it's not in charge. You're in charge. That fleshly man is big. That spiritual man is often small. By denying the fleshly man, the spiritual man has a chance to grow. And unless you deny yourself, it's not going to grow. The fleshly man will win. No, I'm eating. No. Nobody will know. I said I was going to go without food a day, but I'm going to still eat. Nobody will know. The church won't know. But the fleshly man stays big, and the spiritual man is still small because it doesn't have a way. It doesn't have a say. So fasting can help with that. Do one day. Do two days. Try three days. And fast and pray. So if you want to know what to pray for, just take a photo of that. If you want to zoom in on it. And uh, you can pray. If you think of people are asking you, how did you, how did you come out of COVID-19? What was the first things you did? Well, I went shopping. Or I bought takeaways. Or I went eating out. I was supporting the local businesses. I went to the beach. I went fishing. But some of you will be able to say, I did prayer and fasting. What? Prayer and fasting, what's that? Because I want to see this nation changed. I want to see Jesus Christ coming in my family. I want to make a difference, and prayer and fasting can help. Slide 18 there, if we just put up that. April Osborne, the author of the Christian book, Seeing Behind Enemy Lines, recounts a vision where an angel took her to what looked like a boardroom of the enemy. She overheard some of the conversations as a demon spoke of a Christian group giving them problems. The demon spoke of a Christian group giving them problems. They called the group the fasted ones. 
It was clear demonic kingdom understand power of fasting and how it affects the spiritual IQ. The writer says she believes we must fast more than ever in these last days. I just encourage you to have it as a discipline in your life. I'm suggesting Thursdays because we come together, or some people come together on Thursday and pray. So you fast during the day and then you come and pray. On Thursday, when we had our first prayer meeting, until Mark came, I was the only man there. And I just thought this is a picture of the church. The women are doing the job. The women are doing the heavy lifting. The women are in the power room. And I just remember that Heaven's Gate Hell's Flames. Anybody went to one of those performances, Heaven's Gate Hell Flames? Well, it's just a story and there's scenarios where people die and they come to the pearly gates and the angel's up there and, of course, they t you know the story why they're there and then they open the book to see if they're in there. If they're in, the angel, the, the door's opened and they're welcomed into heaven. If their name's not in there, the devil comes out and takes them away. It's a, it's a performance. And there's a story there where a father and son are, are in a crash and they both die and they're there. And they think they're sweet. They said, mum's been praying. We're good. Mum's always praying. Mum goes to church. I'm sure she says a prayer for us as well. We'll be fine. Books are opened. You know what? They weren't there. And the son said to the father, you, you let me down. You told me we'd be sweet. Well, I thought we were, son, because mum was praying. Oh. It's all on our own. Our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility to pray. And it bothers me when just the women come to the prayer meeting as if the men say, not my job. It's a woman's job. And the pastor, well, he's a you know, a pastor and some woman. And I'm not knocking the women, but I'm saying, guys, why am I the only guy that's turning up at prayer meeting? Is nobody else called to pray? Nobody else can give up an hour on a Thursday to pray for the nation, to pray for this church, to pray for salvation, to pray that this community can be reached. You don't even have to be able to pray. you just got to be able to say amen when somebody else prays. But we're not going to fill this auditorium with prayer if we can't fill a small room. COVID-19 should have shown us that we're just not making it. We're just not cutting the mustard. We're just not reaching this community. But it's up to the church. So I sound like I'm being a bit hard. But I've been up here for five years and the prayer meeting hasn't grown. Is it me? I've said, Sally and I will turn up because she's very good. She'll follow. <laughs> come. No matter who's there, nobody's there. We'll be there because we believe and we've come up to see this community changed. But does the community want to be changed? God called us to come to see a community reached. I don't want 
90% of the church being able to function without the Holy Spirit. I want, if the Holy Spirit to, to, to come, to, sorry, if, I want, if the Holy Spirit were to depart, I want to be like a balloon with no air. And realize it. So I encourage you. Challenge yourself. How am I going to go forward? How am I going to reach this nation? Prayer is important. So let's have the band back. Please. <laughs> He's finished with me. It's nearly morning tea time. I might have finished with you, but the Lord hasn't finished with you. He rescued you. He took you out of that miry clay. He set your feet on the rock because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he wants us to do it together. So we've pushed the reset button. The church is no longer going to be the same. There's a new normal. And that's a greater dependence on the Holy Spirit. And we will see that. More breakthroughs. More healings. More salvations. And more community transformation. But we need to do it together. We need to do it together because you and I are the church of Jesus Christ. We are now the book of Acts in 2020. Is anybody with me? We need to depend on the Holy Spirit and die to flesh. We need to spend time getting to know Him. And we need to set a solid foundation on prayer and at times fasting.